Thursday morning, and I am glad to have you join me. I'm Evan Bray on uh, another day where we've got some positive things to talk about. I love when this happens because it seems like every time you click on the media, the radio, go through, scroll through social media, there's lots of negative, right? There's lots of challenging problems to talk about. But when we can see something positive about our province, especially when it comes to the agricultural sector, I think that's a good thing, and we want to talk about it. This is the place to talk about it. Saskatchewan proud on this show for for sure. So when I saw that the province shared just this week, Saskatchewan is four years running having record agricultural exports. I thought this is something we got to chat about. And who better to chat with than Paul Martin, Rolco business commentator, who joins us now. Paul, thanks for taking the call. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. So this is a pretty good news thing. Four years in a row, record ag exports for the province of Saskatchewan. Remarkable. Yeah, it is. And, you know, to a degree, not really surprising. Uh, the world is kind of lining up with Saskatchewan's asset base, and one of them being the food production side. Always talk about the three apps, you know, food, fuel, and fertilizer. And on the food side, we are a player. And I, I find it kind of intriguing that uh, by the you know, beginning of this decade, the province set out a goal of getting $20 billion in exports by the end of the decade. And we aren't even at the midpoint yet, and we've surpassed it. So uh, probably we shouldn't be surprised just given you know, the way our producers do things around here. Hey, let me put it this way. Uh, you know, when you grew up on the farm, uh, in, did they ever talk about growing lentils or pulse? No. I mean, it was not no, part in fact, of the equation. You know? I remember, Paul, my uncle grew lentils one year, and my dad telling me that, and I remember thinking, what is a lentil? Like, yeah. I had not even heard of it before. Oh, no, and, you know, there was guys that had pioneered it back in the 70s that were t- sort of tampering with it. And, you know, I remember comments like, well, that guy's elevator doesn't go to the top floor. And then all of a sudden, 15 years later, they're saying, so how do you do this lentils thing? Uh, but... Here's the story. Saskatchewan went from being a non-player in pulse crops to five years later, we were the world's leading exporter. So think about that. Go from a zero start to world domination in five years. I mean, Microsoft didn't pull that off. <laughs> That's how good Saskatchewan producers are. And, and their ability to respond to markets. And so, you know, when you see these numbers, you say that just fits in line with that narrative. On that note, Paul, the, the leading commodities that we export uh, lentils is in there. Canola is a big one, though, too, for the province. Yep, and, you know, that's another Saskatchewan story, isn't it? I mean, uh, and canola now comes in constituent parts. So you've got canola as a raw seed, then you've got canola oil, and now canola meal. Uh, and that perhaps is the largest piece of this story, is that, uh, you know, I've been covering uh, the Saskatchewan agriculture scene for five decades now, and if there ever was a mantra that was a part of this, was how do we get more value added in the province? And now we are doing that. We are getting canola crush, for example, and we're like in a big, big way. Uh, there's even some talk that at some point, maybe by the end of the decade, we might be an importer uh, because we need to bring in more seed in order to uh, you know, keep the canola crush operations going. That leads us to canola meal, which is a byproduct. Uh, you just saw the Louis Dreyfus announcement of a pea protein uh, fractioning facility is going to be added to their uh, complex at Yorkton. Uh, James Cameron, the, the movie producer, had done one of those uh, near Saskatoon earlier. I mean, we're starting to get more into selling agricultural products as ingredients. So we're selling, uh, you know, grains and breaking them down into constituent parts and selling that. 
each of those theoretically uh, will have more value and that will increase the value of our exports as we move forward. Paul Martin, Rocco business commentator, is my guest this morning. Let's talk about that pea protein plant, uh, which is going to be uh, just outside Yorkton. Um, What's the significance of that, not just for local jobs, because that will create some local jobs, but but moreover for Saskatchewan's economy? Yeah, a couple of things. One is it creates a local market for producers. I mean, we're really good at uh, that. That is a crop that grows well here. But this is part of this worldwide movement to... uh, uh, for more more protein, and actually, the roots of the story are in China. Uh, back, you know, in the eighties and nineties, uh, when uh, the factories started to get created in China, people were moving from the country, the farm, into the city. I remember being in Guangzhou one time. I was traveling with the mayor of Vancouver at the time, and he was meeting with his counterpart. And I got to sit in on the meeting. The mayor of Guangzhou told us this was in the mid eighties uh, that six thousand people a day were moving into the city to take jobs in factories. And interestingly, he had to cordon off the city by the military because he couldn't accommodate them all. So, uh, you know, until he could get some housing built. But if you fast forward that story, those people ended up working in a factory, getting a solid paycheck. And as soon as you get money coming in every month, the first thing you demand is a better diet. And that was the demand for more protein. And that trickled down into Saskatchewan where producers were asked to get more involved in protein, which led to pulse production, which then led to expansion of potash mines because Farmers around the world were responding to that. And it's this notion of uh, plant-based foods and using ingredients such as protein coming from plant rather than, say, red meat. And that's what this uh, plant in uh, Yorkton's been a part of that trend. And Saskatchewan was center stage on it. Paul Martin is my guest this morning, Rolko's business commentator. So, I, I, you know, I was curious when I saw the release saying that we have had shipments totaling $20.2 billion for 2023. So that's fourth year in a row, fourth consecutive year of uh, incredible agri-food exports. But then I look at what's going on in Saskatchewan. We've got serious weather problems in terms of drought in many areas of the province. Grasshoppers are a, province, a problem, but... So how do those two things level out? Yeah, it's a good question because uh, obviously we're consuming inventory that was sitting in the bin and that kind of stuff, and uh, you, you can't do that forever. You have to uh, produce a, uh, another crop, and uh, we're talking about drought right now. But as the you know, someone once reminded me, you never lose a crop in February. But uh, it's it's obviously a concern because drought maps are the drought maps, and they don't look very good. So we need some moisture, but he, he, at some point uh, you want uh, to be able to get back to what they would consider normal production conditions so that we can, uh, you know, increase our volumes. Uh, failing that, uh, world supplies get tighter, prices go up. You probably see the value of exports hold their own. We just don't have as much volume to uh, deliver to the market, and that's a concern. Paul Martin is my guest this morning. You know, one other thing this gets me thinking is they they mentioned that the top five international market destinations for our crops were United States, China, Japan, Mexico, and Algeria. And, you know, we often hear people critical or getting cranky about government taking trips to other countries for these trade investment offices and the work that goes on there. That's a pretty important um, part of this, I'm assuming, in terms of solidifying those relationships. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, it's just a, you know, you and I have talked about that, and this is another reason behind trade offices and that kind of stuff. The people who want to take, uh, you know, complain about these missions and stuff, and frankly, I've traveled on these missions, I've seen the work that gets done, and I've been with parties, uh, you know, all political stripes uh, do it as a responsibility of being in government. Uh, it's, it's cheap 
called political play. That's all it is. I mean, the fact is, you got to go see your customer, and you got to work the markets, and your competitors are there if you're not. So, uh, you know, you've got to just simply work those markets, and having government support do that, and your business community there doing it as well. Uh, those things work hand in hand, and they're really critical to success. That plays into back home. Do we have enough money to fund everything from, you know, education to healthcare to you name it? I'm curious, Paul, on a couple of things that potentially affect our exports. One is wars that are happening. We see, of course, uh, Russia-Ukraine, the war in the Middle East. How does that factor into our exports and uh, elections? We've got an election coming up in our country, one just south of the border as well. Do they have an impact on our export challenges? Yeah, they do. Uh, I mean, the Eastern European war, Russia-Ukraine, you know, that actually worked in our favor for a while because it spiked the demand for uh, things like potash and uh, other supplies that we, we mirrored uh, those regions in terms of our output. So when they were sanctioned, we were a replacement for them. That seems to have settled out a bit. And so uh, prices have fallen back a bit and volumes probably the same way. Uh, Middle East, uh, big that's the big consumer of uh, lentils. So could be some impact there. And on the U.S. front, it's mostly around uh, protectionism. And uh, do we face tariffs? And, uh, you know, is it harder to get our goods into the U.S.? U.S. is by far Canada's and Saskatchewan's biggest customer. So anytime you get uh, political rules thrown up that make it harder for us to deliver product to those markets, that's a concern and a challenge. Paul Martin, Rolco Business Commentator, is my guest. Before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. My blood pressure has come down enough that I think it's okay for me to talk about this again. You talked about food, fuel, and fertilizer off the start. We saw a private member's bill. Charlie Angus threw a bill out, or at least is pushing, to make it illegal to promote, or in many ways even talk about, fossil fuel energy. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, you know, that's cheap partisanship. I mean, that's that's just grandstanding. Uh, he probably drove in a you know gas-powered car to get to the press conference to do it. So uh, it's hypocritical. It's silly. It uh, really isn't going anywhere. And I sometimes wonder, you know, Charlie Angus is kind of known for doing some good stuff, too. And he, it's almost sad to see him do this one because it's silly. Someone suggested the other day on the text line that this is all a ploy to distract us from the real problems that are happening <laughs> down east. Maybe, maybe there's a thing there. Yeah, there could be, but uh, I don't know that those are his problems. <laughs> and I'm not uh, sure that they're that coordinated, Paul, either. Yeah, no, exactly. And the NDP are worried about, you know, are we going to be, uh, do we have a reason to be around? So they have to, you know, do some bombastic things to get some headlines. And, uh, you know, will we remember the story or him? Uh, probably neither. Paul Martin, this has been a great talk. Thanks again for your time today. Not at all. Take care. Paul Martin, Rolko business commentator. And again, the good news that... For the fourth year in a row, we've had record agricultural exports out of our province. And, uh, boy, good stuff. And uh, tip of the hat to our farmers and anyone that works in agriculture. Such a big driving part of the economy of the province of Saskatchewan. And uh, we're proud of it. And uh, we keep pushing ahead despite the challenges that come. Not a lot of snow on the ground. Promises of more grasshoppers this year. And yet, uh, time and time again, The farmers pull through for the province, and we appreciate it. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Appreciate Paul Martin dropping by, Rolko's business commentator, and uh, wanted to get his opinion of this Charlie Angus private member's bill that uh, the federal NDP MP is putting forward to try and, and limit or make it illegal to promote 
energy, fossil fuels in in many ways. The head-scratching comments that come from politicians down east just never stop. How about our environment minister? Once again, we hear from Stephen Goubert, who is, remember, this is the same fella who introduced electric vehicle sales mandate regulations saying that we wanted to be 100% electric vehicle sales with zero emissions by 2035. Remember the rant you and I went on about that being an unrealistic timeline? Well, now the Minister of Environment, Stephen Gilbo, who, who, by the way, they've changed his title now, Minister of Environment and Climate Change. <laughs> nice, nice that he's got that. Now he's saying, you know what, we're going to stop investing in new road infrastructure. Now, when he's pressed on it, he walks outside of the meeting where he made the comment. He walks in front of a press gallery who are, of course, throwing mics in front of his face. He realizes maybe he has to try and walk his comments back a little bit. So he tried to clarify. It will not be funding that's not, that's not what I said. Yes, it is. Wait, I can read it back to you. What, what, what I have said is that the solutions to our transport challenge passed by many different things, including massive investment in public transit, including investment in electrification of transportation. And of course we're funding roads. We have, we have programs to fund roads. What we have said, and, and maybe I should have been more specific in, in the past, is that we, we don't have funds for large projects like the Troisième Lien that the CAC has been trying to do for, for many years. Our government has government, made the decision, decision to stop investing in new road infrastructure. I, I, I just told you that I should have been more specific in, in, in that statement and, and specified that it was project like the Troisième Lien, which myself and many of my colleagues have said many times that the federal government had no funds for a project like this. And you can look back and you, you will see you will find numerous statements like myself and many other cabinet colleagues on, 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 on this specifically. That's Federal Environment Minister Stephen Guibault, who originally said, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. And then when they pressed him on it, he said, well, okay, I guess I should have been more specific. But basically saying, you know what? Our roads that we have are adequate. And road expansion, not necessary. I love the take John Iveson from the Globe and Mail has on on this one of my favorite one of my favorite columnists in the globe john iveson and he talked about you know essentially this is basically in line with one of the main criticisms that we see with trudeau's liberal government is they preach more than they listen and they're out of touch with what people are saying like if you look at even the projections in terms of growth we're at 40 million people 40 million people for a population in Canada, and we're expecting to be at 50 million by the year 2040. So the current network of roads adequate to handle an extra 10 million people in the next couple of decades? Yeah. Gibo, out of touch. As Sarah Mills mentioned in her commentary, hitch up the horse and buggy for the morning commute today because that's what you're going to need. Frustrating stuff, I'll tell you. Again, I'm going to say it quick and then I'll move on. When we elect people that are activists for a cause, I don't care what the cause is, it takes a pretty strong person to be able to resist only focusing on their activism and not, you know, focusing on what the basically the people that elected them expect them to do.
And in the case of Environment Minister Stephen Gibo, he has proven time and time again that his own interests, the things that he was doing prior to being elected, are still the things that he plans on focusing on in this job. So, another great mark from our federal government. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to, we're going to drill down a little more local. We're going to talk about the debate that's going on in Saskatoon over this old fire hall in Sutherland, which is being converted now to an emergency shelter. Criticism on the lack of communication and consultation that has happened. We'll start by talking with Saskatoon City Councilor Darren Hill just after 10 o'clock. And then we're going to open up the phone lines and I'd like to hear your thoughts. Have you weigh in on the discussion? That phone line at one 332 8255 will be your connection to join the conversation right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.